0: Hey there, and welcome to the Brainworms podcast—the only book club where it's totally acceptable to show up high on cough syrup and gas station boner pills. I'm Joe. I'm David. And I'm Kane. And today is the second week of our special October spookiness event. We're, uh, we're celebrating the spooky month of October with creepy books that also have cinematic tie-ins. So if you if you go this book was interesting I want to know about the movie it's based on then hey maybe you could check out our partner podcast Butcher, Butcher Block.
1: Block Horror podcast
0: and you can learn about that movie and it'll be well, fun and you'll learn a little bit about that movie
1: mostly you'll <laughs> you'll learn about JD's obsession with Barbara Crampton but
0: yeah a lot
1: of that we we try to find out, out stuff that. about actors and directors and people that did the score and that Special kind of stuff. Too. But ultimately, you're just gonna listen to the people talk about Barbara Crampton, the Barbara Crampton cast,
0: basically. <laughs> and and in the uh, interest of pursuing that theme, today we're going to be talking about Bram Stoker's The Lair of the White Worm. And fucking, it's Bram Stoker. He had an interesting authory life, you know, whatever. But apparently this book was considered not only his worst book, but one of the worst <laughs> horror novels of of all of time. It was edited after his death, apparently, because it was so gratuitous and, and unpleasant to read that it was just unfit for publication.
2: That's exciting.
0: And even in its edited form... It's, it's a journey. Yeah, Les Daniels, noted literary critic, noted that while it had potential, it was undermined by its clumsy writing. The horror critic R.S. Haji placed it at number 12 in his list of the worst horror novels <laughs> ever written. And you can do what you want with this. Mm. H.P. Lovecraft, in an essay, stated that Stoker utterly ruins a magnificent idea by a development almost infantile. Which is a very H.P. Lovecraft kind of quote, I feel.
2: When H.P. Lovecraft is talking shit about you, <laughs> you've done right. fucked up.
0: You've made a mistake. Yeah. Before we delve into that, we, we like to apologize on this show to our listeners for the things that we subject them and ourselves to. Would you like to be apologized to personally by the cast of Brainworms for our, <laughs> our crimes against your ears? <laughs> <laughs> then, um go ahead and leave us a comment wherever you're hearing this really leave a comment leave a review uh we also have the patreon where if you support us at say the $3 a month level we'll record our apologies directly to you and 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 name names <laughs> and you can find all of that at wegiveyoubrainworms.com
1: so knowing that david <laughs> what what sights and uh, joys are awaiting oh, you today? Oh, man,
2: this is going to be fantastic, let me tell you. So I had some dental work done just <laughs> before I came here. Um,
0: <laughs> so
2: I am, in fact, David, after dentist, and I am worried that this is going to be forever. <laughs> also, I, I have actually, I've not read this book in the past, but uh, I have watched the film Adaptation Mm-hmm. And uh it's not great. It's it's not. I it was late night Cinemax stuff, you know. Spoiler oh, yeah. sorry, alert, sorry.
1: come on, man. <laughs>
2: Tune into Butcher Block for that <laughs> breaking news.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll be happy to talk about how awesome or not awesome it is. Now, David, you're always welcome. You're always welcome to join us. In episodes of Butcher Block Horror Podcast, you would just have to be prepared to fucking record podcasts. Oh, no. For
2: Not like that. seven hours. Anything but um, that. But
0: please continue. I, I think you were making a point. I don't know.
2: I don't know. Um, I think my point is chapter one. <laughs> Adam Sultan arrives. Adam Sultan sauntered into the Empire Club, Sydney, and found, awaiting him, a letter from his grand-uncle. He had first heard from the old gentleman less than a year before, when Richard Sultan had claimed kinship, stating that he had been unable to write earlier, as he had found it very difficult to trace his grandnephew's address. Adam was delighted and replied cordially. He had often heard his father speak of the older branch of the family with whom his people had long lost touch some interesting correspondence had ensued. (laughs) Adam eagerly (laughs) opened the letter, which had only just arrived, and conveyed a cordial invitation to stop with his granduncle at Lesser Hill for as long a time as he could spare.
0: This is thrilling.
1: Isn't it? God, I'm so, I'm I'm hooked already. Indeed,
2: Richard Fulton went on. I am in hopes that you will make your permanent home here. You see, my dear boy, you and I are all that remain of our race, and it is but fitting that you should succeed me when the time comes. That In,
1: means when he dies.
2: That's right.
0: Also, you said but fitting.
2: Ooh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> spicy. <laughs>
0: oh, Bram Stoker. <laughs> In this I mean, year were, of were race, were
2: really... 1860, I am close on 80 years of age, and though we have been a long-lived I call race... Bray-Jet. The span of life cannot be prolonged beyond reasonable bounds. Also, bullshit. I am prepared to like you and to make your home with me as happy as you <laughs> what <could> wish. <laughs> what
0: kind of sense is that?
2: So do. <laughs> hold come on. At this once is his on receipt. Hold of real this. quick. Is this his grand uncle or his
1: grandfather?
2: Grand uncle. Okay, so right.
1: he doesn't know him, but they share the same bloodline. Right.
2: Right. They're the last a... of their race. And it was their Victorian race.
0: time, so that's like a whole... There's a lot to yeah. unpack there. I suspect that your skull shape will be quite acceptable.
2: <laughs> I am prepared to like you. I'm not prepared. guaranteed to, but I'm prepared to. <laughs> yeah. No, no promises, but... I'm
0: going to
1: put some effort into it, because <laughs> we are the last of our kind.
2: So do come at once on receipt of this, and find the welcome I am waiting to give you. I send, in case such may make matters easy for you, a banker's draft for 200 pounds. Come soon, so that we may both of us enjoy many happy days together. If you are able to give me the pleasure of seeing you, send me, as soon as you can, a letter telling me when to expect you. Then, when you arrive at Plymouth, or Southampton, or whatever port you are bound for,
0: wait on board.
2: I will meet you at the earliest hour possible. So just, you know, send me a letter, tell me what <laughs> ship you're going to be on, and mm-hmm. then stay on it until I come and get you.
0: Till I come get you, yeah.
2: Old Mr. Yeah. Thornton was delighted when Adam's reply arrived and sent a groom hotfoot to his crony, Sir Nathaniel de Salis, to inform him that his grandnephew was due at Southampton on the 12th of June. Mr. Sultan gave instructions to have ready a carriage early on the important day to start for Stafford, where he would catch the 11.40 a.m. train. He would stay that night with his grandnephew, either on the ship, which would be a new experience for him, or, if his guests should prefer it, at a hotel. What in either fuck? case, they would start in the early morning for home. This is after editing, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah this, is, this is the tidied up version.
2: He had given instructions to his bailiff to send the postilion carriage on to Southampton to be ready for their journey home and to arrange for relays of his own horses to be sent on at once. He intended that his grand nephew, who had been all his life in Australia, should see something of rural England on the drive. He had plenty of young horses of his own breeding and breaking and could depend on a journey memorable to the young man. The luggage would be sent on by rail to Stafford where one of his carts would meet it. Mr. Sultan, during the journey to Southampton, often wondered if his grandnephew was as much excited as he was at the idea of meeting so near a relation for the first time, and it was with an effort that he controlled himself. That's weird. Yeah. The endless railway lines and switches round the Southampton docks fired his anxiety afresh. I mean, I guess it is kind of interesting, like... I didn't know I had any living relatives, et cetera, and mm-hmm. you know, But this is a complete stranger to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. It has
1: very uh, similar characteristics to Dracula talking to Jonathan
0: Harker, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. There is kind of that. But he like sent him maybe, a few hundred
0: bucks, so you know it's it's all fine.
1: That's what I'm saying, though. He seems a little too eager. That's
2: as the like, truth. I would
1: rather pay most of my relatives to stay the fuck away from me
2: right (laughs) yeah well you know that's the difference like 150 years will make i guess
1: (laughs) right and they're the last of their
2: race last of their race as the train drew up on the dockside he was getting his hand traps together when the carriage door was wrenched open and a young man jumped in how are you uncle i recognized you from the photo you sent me I wanted to meet you as soon as I could, but everything is so strange to me that I didn't quite know what to do. However, here I am. I'm glad to see you, sir. I've been dreaming of this happiness for thousands of miles. Now I find that the reality beats all the dreaming. What? He's real happy to meet him. Immediately. It was love at first sight. They're going to bone.
1: I think it's just, give me your money, old man. (laughs) Fucking, I'm going to...
2: Kiss your ass?
0: Yeah, I'm going to humor you until you... you, Give me your money. Until you pass on. You're 80 uh,
2: and you sent me $200. I'm going to come there and I'm going to be nice to you for the next, what, six months? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's in in fucking Victorian times, too. Like, he's not got long.
2: Uh, Probably not. I mean,
0: he's way past due. His his
2: sell-by date is way past.
0: He's expired, man.
2: as he spoke the old man and the young one were heartily wringing each other's hands the meeting so auspiciously begun proceeded well adam seeing that the old man was interested in the novelty of the ship suggested that he should stay the night on board and that he would himself be ready to start at any hour and go anywhere that the other suggested This affectionate willingness to fall in with his own plans quite won the old man's heart. He warmly accepted the invitation, and at once they became not only on terms of affectionate relationship, but almost like old friends. The heart of the old man, which had been empty for so long, found a new delight. The young man found, on landing in the old country, a welcome and a surrounding in full harmony with all his dreams throughout his wanderings and solitude and the promise of a fresh and adventurous life. Oh my God. It was not long before the old man accepted him to full relationship by calling him by his Christian name. <laughs> After a long talk on affairs of interest, they retired to the cabin, which the elder was to share. Richard Salton put his hands affectionately on the boy's shoulders. Although Adam was in his 27th year, he was a boy and always would be to his grand-uncle.
0: Can we just not do this and read like I don't feel really Tolstoy or the anymore. Tom Bombadil chapter of Lord of the Rings? Like, literally anything. <laughs> the instructions to a 1997 stereo.
2: Don't make me give just, back trigger warning. Oh, Jesus. God just, fucking damn it.
0: This feel uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> yeah. Also, this feels a lot more like the notes to write a ch- a, a book around.
1: like this is a great idea i'm gonna piece this all together and then one day i'll make a book out of it
2: yeah like you know how they say show don't tell oh yeah so far we've just been told just just the whole thing has just been (laughs) telling like
0: (laughs)
1: too much
2: telling too much i'm so glad to find you as you are my dear boy just such a young man as i had always hoped for as a son in the days when I still had such hopes. However, that is all past. Why? But I, I just got
1: David, I need you to make me understand.
2: <laughs> well, why he's 80. Why was
1: it difficult for rich dudes, because he's apparently very wealthy, if he's sending $200 in 1860 to somebody, mm-hmm. why was that ever difficult for that dude to have found himself a proper wife? Unless it's in the situation where, like, he had a friend that lived with him, and you know, they shared a bed. And when the old man dies, the young man will actually also inherit a priceless neckerchief collection.
2: I mean, like, it, it could be that, it, yeah, he could have been gay, it could have just been that although he was wealthy and of good station, he was not able to find a bride. Of the same station. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They had
1: this fucked up, weird stipulations back then. What? I can't marry a Canterwell. They're yeah. just, they're just merchants. Yeah. I own an entire fleet of ships. Merchants work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck this and fuck white
2: people. <laughs> fuck Europe, basically. Um,
0: yeah. Well, historical
2: yeah. Europe, modern Europe. You guys are all right.
0: not great i mean there's i mean uh, i don't want to get bogged down uh, some of our listeners might be european
2: modern europe that's very unlikely
0: that's very (laughs) unlikely (laughs) i I can actually have have european listeners uh,
1: i'm I'm pretty sure any listener that's from europe is just listening to us so they could do their own podcast and do it well (laughs) that
0: makes a
2: lot of sense Uh, Or just just mocking, stealing everything.
0: (laughs) Like there's this weird inception of we're mocking books, but then the listeners are mocking shitty podcasters. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that sounds great.
1: I'm into it. Should make a podcast out of that. Go ahead
2: (laughs) I'm going to start this over from the top here. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My interruption. It's okay. I'm so glad to find you as you are, my dear boy, just such a young man as I had always hoped for as a son in the days when I still had such hopes. However, that is all past. But thank God there is a new life to begin for both of us. To you must be the larger part, but there is still time for some of it to be shared in common. I have waited till we should have seen each other to enter upon the subject, for I thought it better not to tie up your young life to my old one till we should have sufficient personal knowledge to justify such a venture. What? Now, this is like the day they met, right? Yes. Yeah, I, uh, yeah like This okay. is the
0: carriage ride back.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now I can, so far as I'm concerned, enter into it freely, since from the moment my eyes rested on you I saw my son, as he shall be, God willing, if he chooses such a course himself. Indeed I do, sir, with all my heart. Thank you, Adam, for that. The old man's eyes filled and his voice trembled. (laughs) Then, after a long (laughs) silence between them, he went on. When I heard you were coming, I made my will. It was well that your interest should be protected from that moment on. Here is the deed. Keep it, Adam. All I have shall belong to you. And if love and good wishes or the memory of them can make life sweeter, yours shall be a happy one. Now, my dear boy, let us turn in. We start early in the morning and have a long drive before us. I hope you don't mind driving. I was going to have the old traveling carriage in which my grandfather, your great-granduncle, went to court when William Fourth was king. It is all right. They built well in those days, and it has been kept in perfect order. But I think I have done better. I have sent the carriage in which I travel myself. The horses are of my own breeding, and relays of them shall take us all the way. I hope you like horses. They have long been one of my greatest interests in life. What's happening? <laughs> what the fuck? It's, you know, pillow talk. <laughs> I love them, sir, and I am happy to say I have many of my own. My father gave me a horse farm for myself when I was 18. I devoted myself to it, and it has gone on. Before I came away, my steward gave me a memorandum that we have in my own place more than a thousand. Nearly all good. I am glad, my boy. Another link between us.
0: What do you do with that many horses? Just have them. I guess it's just conspicuous consumption.
2: Glue at some yeah, point. It's like <laughs> it's the equivalent of like
0: a garage full of Maseratis now.
2: Yeah, I mean, this guy is basically uh, the 19th century equivalent of Jay Leno.
1: Mm. Oh, God.
2: Just fancy what a delight it will be, sir, to see so much of England, and with you. Thank you again, my boy. I will tell you all about your future home and its surroundings as we go. I'm so excited for that.
0: (sighs) Oh, yeah, that's going to be great.
2: We shall travel in old-fashioned state, I tell you. My grandfather always drove four in hand, and so shall we. What? Oh, thanks, sir, thanks. May I take the ribbons sometimes? Whenever you choose, Adam, the team is your own. Every horse we use today is to be your own. You are too generous, Uncle. Not at all. Only an old man's selfish pleasure. It is not every day that an heir to the old home comes back. And, oh, by the way, no, you had better turn in now. I shall tell you the rest in the morning. Chapter 2. The Caswalls of Castra Regis. Oh, boy. Mr. Sultan had all his life been an early riser and necessarily an early waker. Blink. Blink. <laughs> <laughs> like, do many people rise? I, I, I guess sleepwalking. What? What? I'm overthinking this. Yeah, okay, it's it's it, we, we, it's fine. But early as he woke on the next morning, and although there was an excuse for not prolonging sleep in the constant whirr and rattle of the donkey engine winches of the great ship, that's it,
1: all one sentence, huh?
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't even over yet, actually. He met the eyes of Adam fixed on him from his berth. His grand-nephew had given him the sofa, occupying the lower berth himself. The old man, despite his great strength and normal activity, was somewhat tired by his long journey of the day before, and the prolonged and exciting interview which followed it. So he was glad to lie still and rest his body, whilst his mind was actively exercised in taking in all he could of his strange surroundings. Adam, too, after the pastoral habit to which he had been bred, woke with the dawn, and was ready to enter on the experiences of the new day whenever it might suit his elder (sighs) companion. It was little wonder, then, that so soon as each realized the other's readiness, they simultaneously jumped up and began to dress. The steward had, by previous instructions, early breakfast prepared, It was not long before they went down the gangway on shore in search of the carriage.
0: I sure wish something would happen.
2: (laughs) They found Mr. Sultan's bailiff looking out for them on the dock, and he brought them at once to where the carriage was waiting in the street. Richard Sultan pointed out with pride to his young companion the suitability of the vehicle for every need of travel. (laughs) To it were harnessed four useful horses, with a postillion to each pair. You know, I'm starting to get the impression that this is a good carriage.
0: It's a it's a good carriage. They're good horses,
2: yeah, that's it's what, all good. that's that's what we've learned. yep. see said the old man proudly, how it has all the luxuries of useful travel, silence and isolation as well as speed. There is nothing to obstruct the view of those traveling, and no one to overhear what they may say,
1: dude, it's like it's like that annoying relative that gets a new car Mm -hmm. and drags the entire goddamn family outside. So they could all take a look at this new car. And it's like, dude, let's just go get ice cream. I don't want (laughs) to fucking look at your leather interior. I want
0: a fucking ice cream cone. Yeah. The the only way this makes sense is if this is a con, like if, if Adam's like, Oh gosh, great uncle. That is a wonderful carriage. I'm very interested. And he's just waiting for the old man to die.
2: I mean, I guess it's kind of like, you know, if you read a modern book and they might go on at length about the type of car that they're driving or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in like some spy novels and whatnot, where they just really belabor the, the vehicles. And I guess in 1860, England Maybe there was a similar thing, like carriage proudness. I I, I don't know. But if there wasn't, it sure as fuck seems like there was from this.
0: Yeah, this is just conspicuous consumption, the Victorian edition, (laughs) so far.
2: I've used that trap for a quarter of a century, and I never saw one more suitable for travel. You shall test it shortly. We are going to drive through the heart of England, and as we go, I'll tell you what I was speaking of last night. Our route is to be by Salisbury, Bath, Bristol, Cheltenham, Worcester, Stafford, and so home. Adam remained silent a few minutes, during which he seemed all eyes, for he perpetually ranged the whole circle of the horizon. Has our journey today, sir, he asked, any special relation to what you said last night that you wanted to tell me? Probably. <laughs> nope. No. Not directly, but indirectly, everything. What? what? Won't you tell me now? Who talks I like see that? see we cannot be overheard. And if anything strikes you as we go along, just run it in. I shall understand. So Old Sultan spoke. To begin at the beginning, Adam, that lecture of yours on the Romans in Britain A report of which you posted to me set me thinking, in addition to telling me your tastes. I wrote to you at once and asked you to come home, for it struck me that if you were fond of historical research, as seemed a fact, this was exactly the place for you, in addition to its being the home of your own forebears. If you could learn so much of the British Romans so far away in New South Wales, where there cannot be even a tradition of them. What might you not make of the same amount of study on the very spot? Where we are going is in the real heart of the old kingdom of Mercia, where there are traces of all the various nationalities which made up the conglomerate which became Britain. I'd rather gather that you had some more definite, more personal reason for my hurrying. After all, history can keep, except in the making. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha, clever joke. Quite right, my boy. I had a reason such as you very wisely guessed. I was anxious for you to be here when a rather important phase of our local history occurred. What is that, if I may ask, sir?
1: A white worm ate four people, including two children.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Spoilers. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no i'm just i'm trying to move the story along for him trying to help him
0: do you can't bram stoker's driving the bus here <laughs> he's got, got this David's trap well the in hand. hand he's he's he holding just the built rhythms.
1: it and it's
0: just a carriage with like 52
1: horses mm. it just smells like shit
2: <sighs> certainly the principal landowner of our part of the county is on his way home and there will be a great homecoming which you may care to see the fact is, for more than a century the various owners in the succession here, with the exception of a short time, have lived abroad. How is that, sir, if I may ask? The great house and estate in our part of the world is Castra Regis, the family seat of the Coswell family. The last owner who lived here was Edgar Coswell, grandfather of the man who was coming here, and he was the only one who stayed even a short time. This man's grandfather, also named Edgar, they keep the tradition of the family Christian name, quarreled with his family and went to live abroad, not keeping up any intercourse, good or bad, with his relatives. Although this particular Edgar, as I told you, did visit his family estate. Yet his son was born and lived and died abroad, while his grandson, the latest inheritor, was also born and lived abroad till he was over 30, his present age. This was the second line of absentees. The great estate of Castra Regis has had no knowledge of its owner for five generations, covering more than a hundred and twenty years. It has been well administered, however. No tenant or other connected with it has had anything of which to complain.
0: I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Kane. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm awake. am like do, do you want to let David read this to the listeners, and we can just play some video games? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, every now and then we need to like pipe in and like say something,
0: or can we just fully just mute? No, we'll just go back later in editing and and have it like, yeah, yeah, fuck that guy.
2: <laughs> Little interjections here and there. I, I'm kind of digging on the idea of the listeners just reading this and we all go play video games
0: <laughs> yeah we're out you're on your own <laughs>
1: uh yeah yeah you know I, yeah let's i feel like we have an obligation yeah
0: we, we yeah
1: but I will say I know we're going to say it again anyway but we're fucking sorry man. <laughs> we're Yeah. You know just finding good movies and books to tie in together it's not easy.
0: <laughs> we did our you best. You know it's,
1: it's not easy and you know you just got to you got to roll with the punches and that's what we're doing. This we're is a rolling. classic.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> It is classically known as the worst horror story ever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sounds it's you know it sounds sounds pretty accurate. Yep, you know definitely the fact that H.P. Lovecraft shit talked this book. I mean, let's not let's not
0: suck his dick too. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, but because he's H.P. Lovecraft. The fact that he had the temerity to shit talk a book. Yeah, because let's be
2: f- <laughs> let's let's just be fair here. Not only was Howard a very bad person, just mm-hmm. frankly, um, shit. One one might say he was a troubled man, but he was also a, a just overt racist. Yeah. Um, but he also just wasn't a very good writer.
0: No. No. He they was... came up with some interesting ideas that other no, better had... writers used later. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Like Thomas Ligotti. Oh, fuck took yeah. The HP Lovecraft. Fuck yes. Mythos and made it fucking
2: horrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Clark Ashton Smith.
1: Mm. Dude, Caitlin R. Kiernan. Oh
2: my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I fucking, fucking love Caitlin Kiernan.
1: Yeah, dude. Like the, the shit that she's put together. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. that's in
1: weird fiction is fucking bone chilling mm-hmm. and i i guess okay so listeners you're in luck we're just gonna talk about caitlin r Kiernan <laughs> and our favorite <laughs> books by her
2: i wish <laughs> that we could I wish yeah, that we, could, we, have, we, we made that, a commitment that contract yeah. that we all signed with that devil mm. yep. um yeah you know, that's that's what happens when you rub old lamps in weird sketchy backyard pawn shops. I don't know why it's in a backyard. I didn't even rub the lamp. You guys created me in a fucking test (laughs) tube. Yeah, but we created you with the curse intact. So I mean it it is
1: is. well, listeners, I tried. We were gonna talk about something awesome. We were gonna talk about (laughs) like Caitlin Arkiernan. Oh man.
0: And also we rubbed the lamp on you while you were sleeping. So
2: that's impossible. Because he never sleeps.
1: Yeah, and I've only recently fastened, uh, fashioned eyelids. Mm.
2: They're coming. You along don't want to know
1: though. where I got that skin from. You're gross. You're right. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't.
0: But moving <sighs> on. Moving on.
2: Here we are now in new ground for you. That is the spire of Salisbury Cathedral, and when we leave that, we shall be getting close to the old Roman county. And you will naturally want your eyes. So we shall shortly have to keep our minds on old Mercia. However, Was someone going to take his eyes? Yeah, That's a weird
0: way to say that.
2: My old friend, Sir Nathaniel de DeSalis, who like myself is a freeholder near Castra Regis, oh, I'm tired of these his rich estate, people. Doom Tower. What is over the <laughs> his estate, Doom tower (laughs) is over the border of Derbyshire on the (laughs) beach. Yeah. Doom tower. That's all. Okay. Sure. Sure. Over the border of Derbyshire on the peak is coming to stay with me for the festivities to welcome Edgar Caswell. He is just the sort of man you will like. He is devoted to history and is president of the Mercian Archaeological Society. He knows more of our own part of the country with its history and its people than anyone else. I expect he will have arrived before us and we three can have a long chat after dinner. And the listeners can hear every fucking word of it. I'm certain and I'm just so excited for that. (sighs) He is also our local geologist and natural historian so you and he will have many interests in common. Amongst other things, he has a special knowledge of the peak and its caverns and knows all the old legends of prehistoric times. Well, at
1: least he's trying to set him up with a nice male suitor. Yeah. That's progressive. I mean, 1860? Jeez, that's...
2: I, I do want to say that I take some offense at the idea that the guy knows all of the old legends of prehistoric times. (laughs) <laughs> because they're prehistoric. Be, because they're prehistoric, and thus, yeah. by default, can't be... Yeah. Anyway. Yup. They spent the night at Cheltenham, and on the following morning resumed their journey to Stafford. Adam's eyes were in constant employment, and it was not till Sultan declared that they yeah, had now course they're entered on the... in constant life.
0: employment. There's fucking eyes.
2: <laughs> I mean, at least they're not zooming around his head like green orbs.
0: <laughs> Prefer it.
2: I
1: would prefer if they were zooming around his head. <laughs> you know, at this point, I would like his ears to make blood curdling screams. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, when Eye of Argon seems like a better story.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating, really. But at least that one had happenings.
0: <laughs> yeah, things. Have, yeah, that's the one thing you can say about eye of argon shit was constantly happening the whole time the whole time
1: to all of the females Mm. it's just the one yeah just the one
2: we haven't even seen any females in this book yet not yet (sighs) adam's eyes were in constant employment (laughs) and it was not till sultan declared that they had now entered on the last stage of their journey that he referred to sir nathaniel's coming it was now too dark to see any details of their surroundings Adam could just see that it was on the top of a hill, not quite so high as that which was covered by the castle. Of course, it's called whose Lesser tower Hill. Blew the flag, <laughs> and which was all ablaze with moving lights, manifestly used in the preparations for the festivities on the morrow. So Adam deferred his curiosity till daylight.
1: <laughs> his uncle
2: was met at the door by a fine old man who greeted him warmly.
1: The old man of the mountain.
2: I came over early as you wished. I suppose this is your grand nephew. I am glad to meet you, Mister Adam Sultan. I am Nathaniel DeSalis, and your uncle is one That's of my oldest friends. Hey,
0: we're gonna we're we're fucking carriage. Right? We're taking one of the slowest means of transit ever devised by the human mind. We're gonna be a while. Can you show up early and fucking wait for us to show up? <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, that is a little, I mean, that that's that's weird. I don't know. Adam, from the moment of their eyes meeting, felt as if they were already friends. The meeting was a new note of welcome to those that had already sounded in his ears. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm? <laughs> I, I...
0: What the fuck?
1: <laughs> but I thought we were doing Sexy Saxophone Man, this, so I decided to join in.
0: Is this real life? Yeah,
2: yeah, no, it's great, it's great. Well, Save it at the <laughs> <pintas>. <laughs> is This is going to be it's forever?
0: forever. It is. It is, is going to be forever.
2: God damn it's, uh, so it's much really time. time. We're only like
0: counting, you know, the be- like before we actually started recording it. We're only 40 minutes into this episode. That's why I yeah. just
1: said that it's taking so goddamn long. It feels like forever. It feels like it feels like we're like mm-hmm. 3 hours
2: and nothing into this podcast happened. episode it's already.
0: There've been so many words. Nothing.
2: Nothing at all. This young man has met two old men. Yeah. The cordiality with which Sir Nathaniel and Adam met made the imparting of information easy. Sir Nathaniel was a clever man of the world who had traveled much and within a certain area studied deeply. He was a brilliant conversationalist as was to be expected from a successful diplomatist, even under unstimulating conditions. Like this, like this entire this book. book. <laughs> <laughs> Woo.
1: <laughs> At least we're on the same side, you know? mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. But he had been touched and, to a certain extent, fired by the younger man's evident admiration and willingness to learn from him. Accordingly, the conversation, which began on the most friendly basis, soon warmed to an interest above proof as the old man spoke of it next day to Richard Salton. Huh. He knew already that his old friend wanted his grand nephew to learn all he could of the subject in hand, and so had, during his journey from the peak, put his thoughts in sequence for narration and explanation. When dinner was over and the servants had withdrawn, leaving the three men at their wine, Sir Nathaniel began. I gather from your uncle. By the way, I suppose we had better speak of you as uncle and nephew instead of going into exact relationship? What the in fuck? In fact... Your uncle is so old and dear a friend that, with your permission, I shall drop formality with you altogether and speak of you and to you as Adam, as though you were his son. I should like, answered the young man, nothing better. This
0: is money, money, money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Money.
2: The answer warmed the hearts of both the old men, but... With the usual avoidance of Englishmen of emotional subjects personal to themselves, they instinctively return to the previous question.
0: That's toxic masculinity. Sir Nathaniel
2: took the lead. Yeah. Toxic English masculinity, which might be the worst kind of all. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The American version is pretty bad, too. Yeah, scary to say.
0: Toxic Texan masculinity. Oof. Yeah.
2: Toxic Oxford,
1: Ohio masculinity. (laughs)
2: yeah or really any college campus mm.
1: honestly just men in general look
2: <laughs> not all men wait no yes <laughs> Great. all men good job david <laughs> yeah. you yeah. just joined, you just joined
1: the hallowed masses of the not all men movement <laughs> Someone's gonna hear like this to podcast, yep. and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna align with that, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, I like that David guy because he was
0: real quick on the not all men. He was ready to go <laughs> to, <laughs> to defend to defend my people. Yeah, the real gamers, the real gamers. <laughs> the real
1: gamers. I give up. That's it. I don't oh, want to exist anymore.
0: Sis. Pull the plug.
1: Isn't there something you guys could do? No. You creatively, you can. Uh, you're actually me. immortal. All right. It's settled then. I am going to go on a murder spree. And since I can't be stopped, I'm just going to kill all of humanity so that I live on the earth by myself.
2: I am strangely. (laughs) (laughs) alright. seems fine. It's it's fine.
1: Was this the the plan the whole time?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just remember, Cain, all men, make sure to get all of the men. (laughs) I'm going to kill all men. I'm I'm going to. Good. Could you start with me? (laughs) Not now. (laughs) Fuck. That's the only reason I wanted you to. I didn't have to read this anymore.
1: (laughs) No, no, I don't think so. I think no. Mm -mm. No, I don't want to kill anyone. Since I can't die, none of you get to.
2: (laughs) (sighs) Well, then torture it is. I understand, Adam, that your uncle has posted you regarding the relationships of the Caswell family. Partly, sir, but I understood that I was to hear minuter details from you, if you would be so good. I shall be delighted to tell you anything so far as my knowledge goes. Well, the first Caswall in our immediate record is an Edgar, head of the family and owner of the estate, who came into his kingdom just about the time that George the Third did. He had one son of about twenty-four. There was a violent quarrel between the two. The result of the quarrel was that the son left the house without a reconciliation or without even telling his father where he was going. He never came back again. Whoa. A few years after, he died, without having in the meantime exchanged a word or a letter with his father. He married abroad and left one son That's a who up to who seems to have been to brought up in... El- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, the
1: only joy is to misrepresent the words in the book itself.
2: <clears throat> that might actually be the only joy to be had here. He married abroad and left one son, who seems to have been brought up in ignorance of all belonging to him. The gulf between them appears to have been unbridgeable, for in time, this son married in turn and had a son, but neither joy nor sorrow brought the sundered together. Under such conditions, no rapprochement was to be looked for and an utter indifference, founded at best on ignorance, took the place of family affection. It was only due to the watchfulness of the lawyers that the birth of this new heir was ever made known. After this, the family interest merely rested on heirship of the estate. As no other children have been born to any of the newer generations in the intervening years, all hopes of heritage are now centered in the grandson of this man.
0: <laughs>
2: now, it will be well for you to bear in mind the prevailing characteristics of this race. They were well-preserved and unchanging.
0: Can I interrupt you real quick? Sure. Um, the listeners won't hear it because, because editing. You probably heard it. I got up and walked away because I realized my window was a little bit open and there's lawn mowing happening outside. hmm so I got up, walked around my desk, shut my window, came back around, sat down, put my headphones back on, and you were still reading the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was
2: like I never left. Yeah. 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 This is life now. This is forever. I'm sorry. Please continue cold, selfish, dominant, reckless of consequences in pursuit of their own will. It was not that they did not keep faith, but that they took care to think beforehand of what they should do in order to gain their own ends. If they should make a mistake, someone else should bear the burden of it. This was so perpetually recurrent that it seemed to be a part of a fixed policy.
0: Insert political commentary here.
2: (laughs) They were absolutely cold and hard by nature. Not one of them, so far as we have any knowledge, was ever known to be touched by the softer sentiments or hold his hand in obedience to the dictates of his heart. The pictures (laughs) and effigies of them all show their adherence to the early Roman type. Their eyes were full, their hair of raven blackness grew thick and close and curly their figures were massive and typical of strength oh god damn it god damn it <laughs> it's another
1: big man but it's another big man boy how did it happen <laughs>
2: the thick black hair growing low down on the neck told of vast physical strength and endurance but the most remarkable what? characteristic is the eyes black piercing, almost unendurable. They seem to contain in themselves a remarkable willpower, which there is no gainsaying. So apparently the dude from death bite is also of this line. Mm -hmm. It is a power that is partly racial and Um, partly individual, a power impregnated with some mysterious quality.
0: Does anyone want to unpack that sentence? (laughs) No, no. Let's just hope that if David rushes through this, we could just be done. <laughs> if you're if you're following the, the brainworms extended universe at home, this is the origin story of all of the big men in, in ah, all of our other books. This is the original big man? This is the original line of big men.
2: Ah, uh, the big men. The big men. God
0: fucking damn it.
2: <laughs> partly hypnotic, partly mesmeric which seems to take away from eyes that meet them all power of resistance. Nay, all power of wishing to resist. With eyes like those, set in that all-commanding face, one would need to be strong indeed to think of resisting the inflexible will that lay behind. You may think, Adam, that all this is imagination on my part, especially as I have never seen any of them. So it is. But imagination based on deep study. I have made use of (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Is it just making all of this up? This is all made up. Yep.
1: Except it's not.
2: I have made use of all I know or can surmise logically regarding this strange race. With such strange compelling qualities, is it any wonder that there is abroad an idea that in the race there is some demoniac possession which tends to a more definite belief that certain individuals have in the past sold themselves to the devil
0: nothing wrong with that really it's fine
2: <clears throat> bum, bum, I'm certain that was meant to be like a big reveal yeah, moment yeah. but I think we had better go to bed now Agreed. we have a lot to get through tomorrow <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> and I want you to have your brain clear and all your susceptibilities fresh Moreover, I want you to come with me for an early walk, during which we may notice, whilst the matter is fresh in our minds, the peculiar disposition of this place, not merely your grand-uncle's estate, but the lie of the country around it. There are many things on which we may seek, and perhaps find, enlightenment. The more we know at the start, more things which may come into our view will develop themselves.
0: I was born on the anniversary of Bram Stoker's death.
2: You lucky son of a bitch! I mean, what? Oh, that's interesting. Then yeah,
0: I just happened to glance at the the Wikipedia page as my brain searched for some kind of stimulation.
2: And <laughs> you know, honestly, that might be the most interesting thing to come out of this. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Chapter three, Diana. It's grill. only
0: chapter three. Are you fucking serious?
2: Uh huh. <sighs> Curiosity took Adam Salton out of bed in the early morning, that and this previously mentioned just natural habit of being an early fucking riser.: mm-hmm. But when he had dressed and gone downstairs, he found that early as he was, Sir Nathaniel was ahead of him.: Of course, because the old gentleman was quite prepared for a long walk, and they started at once.: What were you about to say, Kane?: Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> fucking
1: anything you can do, I can do better because I'm a big man.
2: <laughs> I don't know that Sir Nathaniel is a big man. He's a strong. He man. just knows a lot about the big man. Oh
0: wait, no, Nathaniel's not the great uncle.
2: Yeah, you're right. No, no, Nathaniel is the historian. Right. I
0: know the great uncle has been described as a strong man, and yes. in the back of my mind, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> for them um, to say. Uh, and a very large man. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know about Nathaniel. Please continue.
2: He's a strong Actually, man. Actually,
1: nice. Please don't continue. That's just. <laughs> but the
2: wrong man. <laughs> mm. Let's
0: talk about literally anything but this book. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at with it. Um, real, do, do we feel like, Lair of the White Worm has made its point. (laughs) We're about an hour in. We're right at the beginning of chapter three. We can keep reading if you want. Well, so
1: I don't want to keep reading. I'm just wondering, can we skip ahead to like an interesting part? Like, David, do you... Are
2: there? I'm
1: just saying maybe with a monster in it.
2: There's this bit about a mongoose here. Um, yeah, let's let's read about
1: a mongoose. That's yeah. that's something. Let's just nitpick. Just go through and we'll just pick random <laughs> shit. Like a mongoose. That sounds awesome. I
2: don't I don't think it is. Honestly, um, some kid asking about a mongoose. And is it a
1: the mongoose mo- uh, bi- bicycle?
2: No, no, no. Those weren't no. Something to kill snakes with. Let's see. I'm just kind of scrolling forward here. Let's see. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: Did you find the part where something happens?
2: (laughs) We're going to go forward to chapter 11. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Chapter 11, Mesmer's Chest. After a couple of weeks had passed, the kite seemed to give Edgar Caswall a new zest for life. He was never tired of looking at its movements. I get that. kite He had a fun. comfortable armchair put out on the tower, wherein he sat sometimes all day long, watching as though the kite was a new toy and he a child mm. lately come into possession of it. He did not seem to have lost interest in Lilla, for he still paid an occasional visit at Mercy Farm. Indeed, his feelings towards her, whatever it had been at first, had now so far changed that it had become a distinct affection of purely animal kind. Indeed, it seemed as though the man's nature had become corrupted, and that all the baser and more selfish and more reckless qualities had become more conspicuous.
0: Does that mean he wants to fuck? I think it does mean he wants to fuck, yeah.
2: There was not so much sternness apparent in his nature because there was less self-restraint. Determination had become indifference. The visible change in Edgar was that he grew morbid, sad, silent. Neighbors thought he was going mad. He became absorbed in the kite and watched it not only by day, but often all night long. He listened to all the camera a him. Oh night. <laughs> Caswall took a personal interest in the keeping of the great kite flying. What the fuck? He had a vast coil of cord efficient for the purpose, which worked on a roller fixed on the parapet of the tower. There was a winch for the pulling in of the slack, the outgoing line being controlled by a racket. There was invariably one man at least, day and night, on the tower to attend to it. At such an elevation there was always a strong wind, and at times the kite rose to an enormous height, as well as traveling for great distances laterally. In fact, the kite became, in a short time, one of the curiosities of Costa Regis and all around it. Edgar began to attribute to it, in his own mind, almost human qualities and found a new pleasure a new object in life in the old schoolboy game of sending up runners to the kite the way this is done is to get round pieces of paper so cut that there is a hole in the center through which the string of the kite passes the natural action of the wind pressure takes the paper along the string and so up to the kite itself no matter how high or how far it may have gone what the There's a, literally just a whole chapter like late in the book mm-hmm. about flying a kite.
0: There sure is.
2: In the early days of this amusement, Edgar Caswell spent hours. Hundreds of such messengers flew along the string until soon he bethought him of writing messages on these papers so that he could make known his ideas to the kite. It may be that his brain gave way under the opportunities given by his illusion of the entity of the toy and its power of separate thought. From sending messages, he came to making direct speech to the kite, without, however, ceasing to send the runners. Doubtless, the height of the tower, seated as it was on the hilltop, the rushing of the ceaseless wind, the hypnotic effect of the lofty altitude of the speck in the sky at which he gazed, and the rushing of the paper messages up the string till sight of them was lost in distance, all helped to further affect his brain, undoubtedly giving way under the strain of beliefs and circumstances which were at once stimulating to the imagination, occupative of his mind, if and absorbing. If only it was just stimulating.
0: <sighs> were you saying he wants to fuck the kite? No
2: Goddamn kite fucker. No, I'm,
0: I'm saying this
2: isn't fucking, the, this, this is th- there's nothing stimulating here no, no i'm so bored uh, i the next step of intellectual oh, decline okay. was to <laughs> i'm sorry no uh, the next step of intellectual decline was to bring to bear on the main idea of the conscience identity of the kite all sorts of subjects which had imaginative force or tendency of their own he had in costra regis a large collection of curious and interesting things Formed in the past by his forebears oh of similar taste to his own. Then I'm assuming this would be a big man, though. I'm, I'm assuming that Edgar here is our big man because sure. he's he's the uh, member. He's he's the Coswold. Right. So uh, there were all sorts of strange anthropological specimens, both old and new, which had been collected through various travels in strange places ancient Egyptian relics from tombs and mummies, curios from Australia, New Zealand, and the South Seas, idols and but not images for. from Tartar icons to ancient Egyptian, Persian, and Indian objects of worship, objects of death and torture of American Indians, and above all, a vast collection of lethal weapons of every kind and from every place. Chinese, that's right. Chinese high-pinders, double knives, Afghan double-edged scimitars made to cut a body in two, heavy knives from all the eastern countries, ghost daggers from Tibet, the terrible kukri of the Gurkha, and other hill tribes of India, assassins weapons from Italy and Spain, even the knife which was formerly carried by the slave drivers of the Mississippi region. Death and pain of every kind were fully representative in that gruesome collection. That it had a fascination for Ulanga goes without saying. He was never tired of visiting the museum in the tower and spent endless hours in inspecting the exhibits till he was thoroughly familiar with every detail of all of them. I'm
0: assuming this is the Doom Tower or whatever the fuck.
2: I'm guessing. I'm going to say sure. Yeah. No, I I don't think it is actually. Oh, this really? is uh No, this is the the castle Castra whatever, Castra Regis. Okay. Um like There's the... there
0: have been so many words that my mind has come on board from just the idea <laughs> of context. Well,
2: apparently we jumped forward eight chapters sure. into a part of the book where the initial characters don't matter anymore. And we're just so...
0: talking about kites and knives and
2: towers. Yeah. It's always fun when a book does that. Yep. Like... Mm. <laughs> that it had, had a fascination for Ulanga goes without saying. He was never tired of visiting the museum in the tower and spent endless hours in inspecting the exhibits, till he was thoroughly familiar with every detail of all of them. He asked permission to clean and polish and sharpen them, a favor which was readily granted. In addition to the above objects, there were many things of a kind to awaken human fear... Stuffed serpents of the most objectionable and horrid kind. Giant insects from the tropics, fearsome in every detail. Fishes and crustaceans covered with weird spikes. Um, Dried um, octopus. Is anyone else hearing a weird ringing sound? Or is that
0: in my mind?
2: No, no, that's happening. That's uh, the vacuum cleaner in the other room. That's on my end. I don't know what to do about that. That's fine. Hopefully, you have other tenants. Right.
0: In
1: the house? Man, fuck them. But I mean, we can edit that out, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I honestly was just concerned that I was <laughs> hearing non-existent sounds. Right. As long as it's a real noise and not just a ringing in my ears, it's fine.
2: Stuffed serpents of the most objectionable and horrid kind. Giant insects from the tropics. Fearsome oh, in every detail. Here, Fishes and crustaceans covered with weird spikes. Dried octopuses of great size. Other things, too, there were. Not less deadly, though seemingly innocuous. Dried fungi. Traps intended for birds, beasts, fishes, reptiles, and insects. Machines which could produce pain of any kind and degree. And the only mercy of which was the power of producing speedy death. I wish I had a machine like that. Right? (sighs) Caswall, who had never before seen any of these things, except those which he had collected himself, found a constant amusement and interest in them. He studied them, their uses, their mechanism, where there was such, and their places of origin, until he had an ample and real knowledge of all concerning them. Many were secret and intricate, but he never rested till he found out all the secrets. When once he had become interested in strange objects, and the way to use them, he began to explore various likely places for similar finds. He began to inquire of his household where strange lumber was kept. Several of the men spoke of old Simon Chester as one who knew everything in and about the house. Accordingly, he sent for the old man who came at once. He was very old, nearly ninety years of age, and very infirm. He had been born in the castle, and had served its succession of masters present or absent ever since when edgar began to question him on the subject regarding which he had sent for him old simon exhibited much perturbation in fact he became so frightened that his master fully believing that he was concealing something ordered him to tell at once what remained unseen and where it was hidden away face to face with discovery of his secret the old man in a pitiable state of concern, spoke out even more fully than Mr. Caswall had expected. <sighs> indeed, indeed, sir, everything is here in the tower that has ever been put away in my time, except, except... Here he began to shake and tremble. Except the chest which Mr. Edgar, he who was Mr. Edgar when I first took service, brought back from France after he had been with Dr. Mesmer, the trunk's been kept in my room for safety, but I shall send it down here now. What's in it? asked Edgar sharply. Are we that reading I a different know. book? Moreover, are you fucking with us right now, David? It It is a peculiar trunk without any visible means of opening. Now, now, these are the oh, Mr. Yeah, Edgar's... Right. Okay.
0: We're just so far removed from... Anything that was happening in the first three chapters.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've skipped over eight chapters. That'll do a lot. That's true. That I do not know. Moreover, it is a peculiar trunk without any visible means of opening. So it's a crate. It's it's a box. It's it's just a wooden box. Yeah. Is there no lock? I suppose so, sir, but (laughs) I do not know. There is no keyhole. Send it here and then come to me yourself. The trunk, a heavy one with steel bands round it, but no lock or keyhole, was carried in by two men. Shortly afterwards, old Simon attended his master. When he came into the room, Mr. Caswall himself went and closed the door. Then he asked, "'How do you open it?' "'I do not know, sir.' <laughs> "'Do you mean to say that you never opened it?' "'Most certainly, I say so, Your Honor. How could I? "'It was entrusted to me with the other things by my master.' To open it would have been a breach of trust. Caswall sneered. Quite remarkable. Leave it with me. Close the door behind you. Stay. Did no one ever tell you about it? Say anything regarding it? Make any remark? Old Simon turned pale and put his you trembling wake up. hands together.
1: No, but, uh, oh, but uh, I'm sir. still here. Still here. Present. Present. Present.
2: We're taking your eyes back.
0: You're going to confiscate your retinas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, man, you know, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe this is a bad idea. <laughs> you know, like, uh, the, the idea was to do October spookiness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. Is there nowhere in, in this book that has spooky stuff in it? Or is it just. Stupid shit about old rich white dudes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, is there a... I mean, Where's the worm? It's a spooky trunk.
0: Is the worm in the trunk?
2: All right. Well, let's see You Use
0: Command F, worm. (laughs) I just need to know.
2: Oh, sir, I entreat you not to touch it. That trunk probably contains secrets which Dr. Mesmer told my master told them to his ruin. How do you mean? What ruin? Sir, he it was who, men said, sold his soul to the evil one. I had thought that that time and the evil of it had all passed away. That will do. Go away, but remain in your own room, or within call, I may want you. The old man bowed deeply and went out trembling, but without speaking a word. And then the next chapter, yeah, is called it's, Well." Chapter twelve, the chest okay, opened, okay. and see, I'm just kind uh, of. I think sh- that it's inside the chest
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> is two cutie oranges, uh, half a <clears throat> block throat> of aged aziego, uh huh, um. Probably like a nice like raspberry vinaigrette. Okay. Um I'm thinking that there's there's probably some edamame Uh and uh a baguette. And so it's just a delicious picnic, is what you're saying. Lukewarm lukewarm. This is important. Lukewarm tomato soup. Um there is a pitcher Uh a small like creamer container. And in that is like some delicious, like a carafe. Yes. Yeah. Is some delicious oat milk. All right. And you can add that to the lukewarm tomato soup to make it creamier. If, if that's what you desire. Um, there's also, uh, some Funyuns, uh, Flamin' Hot <laughs> and a, uh, half a two liter of flat Mountain Dew. Do you like how I took that the direction? <laughs> I did, 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 took a direction. Can confirm. So, so what, what, dear listeners?
0: What do you think of that that picnic basket that he just yeah, opened? What's what, what's what what's in the box? What's in the box, David? Oh,
1: don't know. I told you what was in the box. All right. It's a better answer.
0: <laughs> no. Well, here we go. We're all Is in now. Is it a now. solid gold telephone?
2: Oh, I'm not reading the entire... Ch- I skimmed over <laughs> that chapter and you have to go through the entire chapter of him. Op- literally, it's a chapter of Give him opening example. the box. Give us an like, He like has a, sentence a dream about you. opening it.
0: Oh, he had a dream about... Of- okay.
2: He has a dream that he opens the box and then wakes up to find out that he didn't.
0: That's stupid. Well, it's just
2: <sighs> the baguette
0: and the it's half not, a block there. of not, it's aged not it. It's not It's not. There's, there's it's, no, a no, <laughs> it's not. It's some summer sausage. It's not. There's not a charcuterie board in there. <laughs> David, what's in the box to tell us? <laughs>
2: Okay, well, here. In his sleep he arose, and, as if in obedience to some influence beyond and greater than himself, lifted the great trunk and set it on a strong table at one side of the room, from which he had previously removed a quantity of books. To do this, he had to use an amount of strength which was, he knew, far beyond him in his normal state. As it was, it seemed easy enough. Everything yielded before his touch. Then he became conscious that somehow how, he could never remember. The chest was open. He unlocked his door and, taking the chest on his shoulder, carried it up to the turret room, the door of which also he unlocked. Even at the time, he was amazed at his own strength and wondered whence it had come. His mind, lost in conjecture, was too far off to realize more immediate things. He knew that the chest was enormously heavy. He in a sort of vision which lit up the absolute blackness around, to see the two sturdy servant men staggering under its great weight. He locked himself again in the turret room and laid the opened chest on a table, and in the darkness oh began God. to unpack it, laying out the contents, which were mainly of metal and oh, glass, <laughs> great pieces in strange forms, on another table. He was conscious of being still asleep, and of acting rather in obedience to some unseen and unknown command than in accordance with any reasonable plan to be followed by results which he understood. This phase completed, he proceeded to arrange, in order, the component parts of some large instruments, formed mostly of glass. His fingers seemed to have acquired a new and exquisite subtlety, and even a volition of their own. Then, weariness of brain came upon him, his head sank down on his breast, and little by little, everything became. Do you wrapped think he's being gold. controlled by some uh,
0: outside force?
2: I think probably. So,
0: metal and glass uh, things doodads, tchotchkes, knickknacks.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And when he wakes up, he sees in amazement that the chest is sitting on the table, oh. still locked.
0: Ugh. Uh. Um, I've said this on this show before but i really appreciate a book that's willing to waste my time (laughs) let's see it it feels like it's like it's
1: like wasting its own time too yeah like it's not the the book hates itself as well as us (laughs) right and wants everyone to suffer as much as it does i think that's where i'm at with this
2: sure okay here how much more of this is there
0: too
2: much, too much. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, sweet <laughs> dear Lord.
0: What, what happened? What's going on? What's, what's up?
2: So, chapter 28, The Breaking of the Storm. Yes. Is the final chapter. We're not going to read it. No. Because it's a very long chapter. Um, but. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, we're going to start here. We know, my boy, he said, that the unfortunate Lady Arabella is dead, and that the foul carcass of the worm has been torn to pieces. Pray God that its evil soul will nevermore escape from the nethermost hell. They visited Diana's grove first, not only because it was nearer, but also because it was the place where most description was required, and Adam felt that he could tell his story best on the spot the absolute destruction of the place and everything in it seen in the broad daylight was almost Can I inconceivable. Mhm. Uh
0: you were saying the last chapter is chapter 28?
2: Yeah. The
0: original pre-edited version had 40 chapters. Oh
2: shit.
1: <laughs> I just feel really bad for whoever oh. edited
0: this book. Yeah.
1: Because how much worse was the book? Cuz it's already bad now. Like it's fucking mm-hmm terrible now. It is. But how much worse was
2: it? (sighs) To Sir Nathaniel, it was, as a story of horror, full and complete. But to Adam, it was, as it were, only on the fringes. He knew what was still to be seen when his friends had got over the knowledge of externals. And yet, they had only seen the outside of the house, or rather, where the outside of the house once had been. The great horror lay within. However, age, and the experience of age, counts. A strange, almost elemental change in the aspect had taken place in the time which had elapsed since the dawn. It would almost seem as if nature herself had tried to obliterate the evil signs of what had occurred. True, the utter ruin of the house was made even more manifest in the searching daylight, but the more appalling destruction which lay beneath was not visible. The rent, torn, and dislocated stonework looked worse than before. The upheaved foundations, the piled-up fragments of masonry, the fissures in the torn earth, all were at the worst. The worm's hole was still evident, a round fissure seemingly leading down into the very bowels of the earth. But all the horrid mass of blood and slime, of torn, evil-smelling flesh, and the sickening remnants of violent death were gone. Either some of the later explosions had thrown up from the deep quantities of water, which, though foul and corrupt itself, had still some cleansing power left, or else the writhing mass which stirred from far below had helped to drag down and obliterate the items of horror. A grey dust, partly of fine sand, partly of the waste of the falling ruin, covered everything and, though ghastly itself, helped to mask something still worse. After a few minutes of watching, it became, mm. appa- it became apparent to the three men that the turmoil far below had not yet ceased. <sighs> At short, irregular intervals, the hell broth in the hole seemed as if boiling up. It rose Hellbroth and fell again. A cool and-
0: turn of phrase. Yeah.
2: It's the we worm should... originally found its we way down to its lair.
0: Back. Yeah. I've, I've run out of clever things to say. I'm, just, <sighs> I'm so bored. And I'm I'm
1: just miserable. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm I'm so sorry.
2: Well, that's 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 pretty much it.
0: So, so what I'm gathering from the kind of sampler platter that you've given us of just like jumping around from chapter to chapter is this book is Tremors, but with Victorian landed gentlemen. <laughs> that are are wealthy and
2: boring. (laughs) I yeah. Except for the white worm is like a
1: sentient like controlling force.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure like we we don't really it's it's hard to say because
0: Well according to Wiki just I had I had the wiki article up for research purposes and it, it says the white worm is a large snake like creature dwelling deep under Arabella's house, which I guess is like the love interest character. Um and apparently Sir Nathaniel believes that it's descended from dragons. I'm so just giving us the cliff notes. And it comes up out of the ground and tries to eat people. And and really that's it. That's it's 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 just a, a tremors worm.
1: Okay. Well. Um, yeah.
0: And apparently Adam blows it up with Dino. I don't know what the fuck the trunk and shit that just feels like a weird beep bee story.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't actually know like I'm assuming that this is supposed to be like, okay, so this guy finds out that he has a wealthy family member who implores him to come and stay with him. And he gets out there and he gets wrapped up in, you know, learning about the Lord of the manor, et cetera, whatever. And then we meet said Lord of Mm. the manor who seems unhinged and crazy and fascinated with kites. Um, right, and probably a product of massive amounts of inbreeding, and sure, well, yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, every one of them is named Edgar. So, um, <laughs> and then suddenly there's a worm. Yeah, and that's. Do you think
0: that that he was writing another book, and he was like, "I'm kind of bored. I think there should be a worm in it." Cause, cause, based on just like the summary in in Wikipedia, that kind of feels like what happens. Like it's talking about a lot of the things we experience, like the 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 mesmerism chest and all that shit, and the kite, and and the the estate and whatever, and then suddenly a worm happens.
1: (coughs) I dreamt of the dragon. I didn't actually. I I I mean, every time I fell asleep during this book reading. I was blissfully away from all <laughs> dreams. It was just oblivion. And I'd like to get back to that. So uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, refocus
0: Um, again. And I'm hoping it's more enjoyable. God damn. Am I hoping it's more enjoyable? Um, it should be coming out right around the time you're hearing this. Actually butcher block horror podcast is going to discuss the film that was based upon yeah. this book. Yep. And uh,
1: it's got Hugh Grant in it's it. It's got Hugh so... Grant in
0: it. He was in a lot of romantic comedies in the 90s with, yeah, with so, Meg Ryan. You know, so was it Meg Ryan? I feel like it was Meg Ryan. I could be misremembering. You know, I miss Meg Ryan. I, I don't uh, have a strong opinion one way or the other about Meg Ryan.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, we're sorry. But, uh, yeah, we're we're, we're very we're sorry. Very sorry. Um, very Anything sorry. related to us can be found at wegiveyoubrainworms.com. You can support us on Patreon. Please uh, like, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube because that's good for you and it's good for us. Because then you know when we publish things, and we have things coming in.
1: It's like a it's like a warning system. Yeah,
0: like you get warned
1: to know to avoid. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, or yeah, you at least to want prepare this stuff yourself to just
2: like pop up on you unannounced. You.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You want some. You want some time to prepare yourself emotionally and spiritually. Sure. Go and pray for a while.
0: Repent your sins.
2: (laughs) I will say, you know, just um, not to continue this on too much longer, but it's fascinating that Bram Stoker could have written one. uh, I won't say that Dracula is one of the best works ever, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely an enduring and very uh, foundational Text. Right. Yeah. Like you know, it's it, uh, so much horror is based on that. So much of our understanding of the way that horror works comes from Dracula. And right. like he also wrote the this. musings of a
1: demented Irishman. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a, de- a demented drunken Irishman, by all accounts, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he
0: was a writer. They're all uh,
2: they're all drunks. And yeah,
1: and they're all demented.
0: Can confirm,
1: I've met them all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and an Irish writer, especially. I mean, what what are you going to do?
2: Uh, not understand a word he says.
0: Yeah, I apologize. True. I apologize to our Irish listeners. They're in your they don't they, they,
2: they don't hear us. We don't have European <laughs> listeners, remember?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening do the things yep. i said the things yeah we're going to go
1: we're real sorry
2: <sighs> and... this has been a production of brainworms presents any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review Brainworms Podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalen, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepod No. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at WeGiveYouBrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app.